1: Another edition of the RotoWire NBA podcast. This is part two of our most recent trip around the league. Uh, Hopefully, you listened to part one. We rattled through all 15 teams in the Eastern Conference. We now move on to the Western Conference, and we will pick up where we left off. We're going alphabetically. We're going every other team. I will start off, Alex, with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Really, just doesn't seem right to talk about anybody other than Luka Doncic, who is just synonymous with this franchise. At this point, both on the court and off the court, he's doing about what you expected in fantasy. Uh, you know, maybe the numbers in terms of the raw stats are even better. Uh, 33 points per game up to a career high 1.7 steals per game. That's been nice. I mean, the field goal percentage hanging around at 50 percent borderline preposterous um, You know, three point percentage has been about where it's where it's been the last few years. However, down to 71.8 percent at the free throw line. Uh, on 10.4 attempts per game. Not quite as as damaging as we discussed with Giannis in the Eastern Conference pod, but nonetheless, it, it's restricting Luka from being in the conversation uh, as the number one overall fantasy player.
2: Yeah, if he shot free throws at 80%, I, I don't know the math on that, uh, but he probably would be number one or two, you'd think, in fantasy, uh, if that were the case. The 1.7 steals is, and half a block is is pretty um, pretty nice for him, too. Uh, we see Spencer Dinwiddie be a legit number two. The Christian Wood experience has been as up and down as you imagine. He's one eighteenth right now in a category roto. Obviously, you have to roster him um, and you probably start him. But uh, the I don't think I don't know if he's ever going to actually start games and play thirty minutes a game for them. And yeah. I think re, I think lately the biggest development, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. just oh, yeah. launching away from three, like it. Clearly a directive like, hey, we're going to put you in the starting lineup. We need you to just shoot the ball um, over the past nine games, taking 10 threes a game, making 45 percent of them. Uh, suddenly rosterable in fantasy after some up and down play. Um, so that's good from him. Let's go with the, uh, yeah, the Denver Nuggets, who are 16 and 10. Uh, and still, without Michael Porter Jr., uh, maybe the least surprising sentence I could have said. Um, he right now is dealing with a heel injury and hasn't played since the 22nd uh, of November. They've been fine without him. Uh, it's been a little more Jokic, a little more Aaron Gordon, a little more Jamal Murray. Bruce Brown has been a really nice addition for them from the Nets. I think he was a uh, absolutely perfect pickup in the offseason given his ability to play off of uh, Nikola Jokic's. and They could play like a reverse pick and roll uh, with Brown running into the paint. He he's a must roster player in 12 teamers until Michael Porter jr. Gets back. And even that, it's probably worth waiting on, uh, just because Michael Porter will, he will probably get hurt again. Uh, bones Highland, I think is someone you should probably roster as well. His upside is so high when any guards miss games, he's playing 21 minutes a game and is 146th in fantasy. And, um, Jamal Murray, I mean, he's scored. In, I mean, he's, he's playing really well. Um, I think he started off a little slow, but now he's he's looked really good, man. I think he's he's pretty much back.
1: Yeah, and that has been great to see because I, I was nervous enough about Murray to the point that I didn't draft him anywhere in, in a single one of my leagues. I think maybe in like one early best ball, but uh, I, I just I, I didn't love the the way that his return was being talked about. You know, it just felt like it was Extreme baby steps, you know. He would he was like looking good in practice, but you know, there, you kept hearing the phrase that he, he wasn't fully confident in that right. knee. And you know, for some guys, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that it was just like a psychological hurdle that he needed to get over. And you know, early in the season, the numbers were were fine. I, I thought for the most part he looked like himself, but he wasn't playing that many minutes. uh You know, it, the free throws were were pretty rough. The three point percentage was down, but something clicked uh, around mid November, and yeah, he's been much better lately. Over twenty points per game. Uh, In his last 10, you know, the assists have crept up as well. The three-point shooting has been much better. Uh, I mean, he's taken 40 shots over the last two games. I think, you know, just a raw stat like that tells you that that his confidence is on the way up. So, yeah, good breakdown on the Nuggets by you. Uh, We go to the Golden State Warriors. Andrew Wiggins is hurt. Klay Thompson is resting tonight on the second half of a back-to-back. That's not surprising. Uh, Warriors kind of got smacked around last night by the Milwaukee Bucks. Stephen Curry went out of that game early. Uh, looked like maybe a knee issue. Came back. We we never really got a a firm update as far as w- what forced him out of the game. But he is on the injury report Wednesday uh, with the knee issue. I would be uh, let's say not surprised if Curry ends up missing this game and and Golden State just kind of goes into punt mode yet again. Um, but kind of kind of still a, a team that is difficult to evaluate for me. You know they they go in get get a huge win against the Boston Celtics and then uh, like I said you know just get kind of kind of pummeled by the Milwaukee Bucks. So they're sitting at 14 and 14. I feel much different about the Warriors than I do a lot of the other teams around the league that are around 500. You know, I I absolutely give the Warriors the benefit of the doubt. They are still the team that I would not want to face most in the Western conference finals. And they are still the team that as of right now, I would pick to come out of the West.
2: Yeah. They've been missing. um, They've been missing Andrew Wiggins lately, but honestly, I mean, they, they, they started off really bad, but they kind of turned a corner. Um, I would say since November 7th, that went over the Sacramento Kings. It's, it's very clear. They started playing better. Um, again, it would be nice if they could get something out of their bench. If you're rostering clay Thompson, like I am in a lot of leagues, you're just going to have to deal with the back-to-backs. Yep. So keep that in mind. And they've been resting guys here and there too, that aren't just clay. So um, I think if you have Jordan Poole, he's a guy um, he's, you know, I, I think some people are drafting Jordan Poole too high at the same time. Everybody, I think, knew that Thompson was going to miss some games and some guys were going to rest, so it'll work out for you if you drafted Jordan Poole maybe a little higher than you should have. Kaminga's been okay lately. It's interesting to see um, that go well, but once Wiggins is back, I don't think he'll be doing much anymore. Let's go to the Houston Rockets. Uh, We've seen Jalen Green um, start to play a little better. he, He feels to me like he is a half step away from a breakout like once the efficiency comes, then I think it's going to be a, a whole new level for him. Um, you know, over the past 12 games, his free throws have increased a ton, like past 12 games, right. He's 22 points a game, four and a half assists. That's nice to see. But um, 7.5 free throw attempts per game. out of Jalen green in addition to the 6.6, three point attempts. That was only shooting 25% from three over this stretch. So, if he starts hitting closer to 35% of his threes, um, he's going to be averaging like 25 points a game on efficient shooting. Um, obviously, it's easier said than done, but that's big from him. Um, Kevin Porter's been nice for people who sort of had faith in him again this year. The weird thing with Elper and shang at the beginning of the year with him uh, coming off the bench, that's just, that feels like a thing of the past. Um, He's ranked like 70th, 80th right now, depending on your format. Um, you know, Jabari Smith continues to be pretty inconsistent. I, I think there are more games lately that he's looked good. And I think he's been more aggressive in general. Um, he's still rosterable in 12 teamers. And um, I'm keeping my eye on Tari Eason, who to me is maybe the number one player in the league who should be playing more. And when, if he eventually does play more will be a huge fantasy pickup Um, per 36 minutes in fantasy. He's the 29th ranked player. And, Ooh. um, yeah. He's playing eighteen he's like he's playing eighteen minutes a game right now, and he is the one hundred and fifty-fifth ranked player just in like per game eight cat to tell you like what his upside is. So if yeah. you have a place to stash Tari Eason, I would do it.
1: Yeah, I've stashed him in a couple leagues. He was somebody that we we wrote about in the preseason, you know, kind of not necessarily a rookie that you want to go out and draft, but somebody that If you want to spend your last pick on him and you you have a spot that you can stash him in a deeper league, absolutely do it. Because there's going to be a time this season when they either finally, after like seven years, find a a trade for Eric Gordon or they just sit Eric Gordon. And I I think Tari Easton is going to be one of those guys who benefits big time down the stretch. Uh, Last 11 games for Jabari Smith, by the way, 15 points, seven and a half rebounds, 48, 46, 83 shooting. Uh, That's 2.7 made threes per game in that span. He's had a couple clunkers in there, had like a one of nine game uh, against Milwaukee. Somehow Houston won that game. Uh, Bucks did not play well, but he's looking a lot better lately. Um, A lot, lot better. Like I I still don't know fantasy wise that it's going to be pretty frustrating. I don't think he's going to end up ranking very high, but I'm at least like a lot more convinced now than I was a month ago that he's going to develop into like much closer to what we thought he would be coming out of college.
2: Right, and uh, as a side note, Tari Eason best point differential on the team. I'll put that out there. Um, okay. Yeah, plus ten point six. Uh,
1: all right, sorry, I'm, I'm on. I'm on George Mikan's basketball reference page right now.
2: Me, uh... <laughs> You're on the Clippers. Clippers <laughs> is the next team.
1: <laughs> yes, the LA Clippers. Uh, it's all about Kawhi, right? Uh, you know, we, uh, we were talking to Barner on the show last night, and he posited of uh, just a wild question: Is it time to sell high? On Kawhi Leonard, who has very quietly played in four of the last five games, Uh, all signs point to him playing tonight. They they do have yet another back to back. Like the NBA should just stop giving the Clippers back to backs. Maybe that would solve everything. Just they just don't have any. You know, like every other team could do that. Uh, How about we just spaced out the Clippers' schedule? It feels like they have like four back to backs a week at this point. Um, But yeah, the expectation is he's going to play Wednesday, sit Thursday against Phoenix. Uh, Either way, though, I mean, it had that game winner against Charlotte earlier this month, and that seemed to. Kind of sparked somewhat of a renaissance. I mean, last game against Boston, 25 points, nine rebounds, six assists, and a steal, 10 of 12 from the field. That was really the first time that he looked like old dominant Kawhi. And you know, played played almost 30 minutes in that game. That's a good sign. If you could find a seller or find a buyer, excuse me, I would still be selling Kawhi. I, I sent out a couple trade requests this morning in, in a few leagues trying to offload him. Um, I, I don't expect those to be accepted, but I'll still be looking to to sell Kawhi at this point. Um, only other thing with the Clippers, I mean, they, their rotation changes every single night, but John wall, fun story. He stayed healthy. He's been productive. You know, he's the 199th ranked player in eight cat per game. So ultimately, you know, there, there are going to be nights where you can, you could stream him in like daily lineup leagues, but, uh, not, not somebody you should really be in, in, in most of your weekly lineups.
2: I just don't trust anybody on this team in fantasy. I wouldn't want no. a single player that's Zubac. on this roster. So I think I think Mike's point on selling high on Kawhi Leonard. I'd probably do it if I had Kawhi in any leagues. Um, I would. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And even Zubac, um, last two games, thirty-seven combined minutes. Now he got in foul trouble against Boston, but we know they don't love to play in big minutes. And I think he's dug it a little bit out of necessity. I would keep an eye on that if you have Zubach rostered, uh, just to see where that goes, especially now that Kawhi is back. The RotoWire NBA pod is brought to you by Pickett.
1: Pickett is a social bet tracking app that takes all the hassle out of tracking your bets and your betting performance over time. Pickett connects to all of the major US sports books like DraftKings and FanDuel and others, uh, as well as all the major DFS pick providers such as Picks, Underdog Fantasy, and Thrive. Once you hook up all your sportsbooks, Pickett does the heavy lifting from there to slice and dice your betting data. You'll get detailed historical P&L. You'll get graphs, unique breakdowns by team, sport, player, bet type, et cetera. Uh, you get the gist. You can also line shop for the best odds across your linked sportsbooks to make sure that whenever you're betting, you are getting the most bang for your buck. When your bets are live, you could track the scores and stats of all the games you bet on, as well as get player prop updates. From most major player prop markets. That means no more switching between your sportsbook app and different score apps. Uh, I, I usually use ESPN, so if I, you know, if I if I have Prize Picks going or you know a DraftKings lineup, I'm I'm always shuffling between apps, closing one out, not realizing that I closed it out. Uh, so getting all those notifications in one spot via the picket app is huge. I actually love that idea. I think that's my favorite feature about this app. Again, no more opening, reopening. Closing NBA box scores every five minutes. It's all right there in the Picket app. By far, the diff- biggest differentiator, however, is that Pickett syncs your betting history and all your bets from all legal major sportsbooks. So there is no manual entry required to track your bets. Again, no manual entry. It links directly to the books. You don't have to you know, double type everything down and keep it like a little notebook. It automatically logs everything for you. Once you have those accounts linked, it's pretty much effortless from there. The social feed, the community is what turns Pickett from just a bet tracking app to a home for betting. When you can learn from others, you can tail people, you can go against people, you can see what others are doing. You can find verified content to inform your betting decisions. Visit Pickett.com, that's P-I-K-K-I-T.com to download the Picket app today. Again, that's Pickett, P-I-K-K-I-T.
2: Uh, this feels wrong, but my next team is the L.A. Lakers. I don't know why Why we didn't do like a, a swap here. Um, but uh, Anthony Davis, number one player in fantasy, can't say I saw that one coming. Uh, he's been playing out of his mind, uh, both ends of the court, um, has played a lot better inside. I think he's, more of his game has been less focused on trying to shoot threes, more focused on kicking inside for rebounds um, and using his physicality, which is great. LeBron, um, has definitely picked his play up since returning from his injury. Is now the 17th ranked uh, fantasy player per game, which is very good. But obviously, he's trending upwards. Westbrook's rosterable. Um, Lonnie Walker, you know, has been a bizarre sort of staple for them, along with Austin Reeves. I think those are 14 to 16 team lead guys, but they seem to have a pretty much a permanent spot in the rotation. Um, I don't know what are you what are you seeing from the Lakers? You're a lot more locked in than I am.
1: Yeah. A lot locked in on those Lakers. I'll tell you that. Uh, I, I did watch the game last night, uh, against Boston. I mean, they were, it looked like they were going to get blown out. And then they had at one point, I believe it was a 32 to five run by the Lakers. Um, but in classic Lakers fashion, just so many boneheaded plays down the stretch, just completely gave the game away. Wasted possessions. Uh, Anthony Davis missed two free throws at the end of the game that, that would have clinched it. Instead, Boston's able to get the game tying basket. You're never going to guess what LA did with the final possession. Uh, LeBron dribbled the ball out, fumbled it a couple times and threw up like the most contested three-pointer ever, (laughs) barely hit the rim. Uh, I I will say I was watching the game at home and I said to myself out loud at one point, the Lakers will lose this game. They were up by, I think, as much as 14 or 16 and uh, they they allowed a wide open three. I think it was Grant Williams. And then Marcus Smart steals the inbounds pass for a layup because LeBron didn't even look. Uh, So there's a five-point swing. Lakers call timeout. I think at that point, it was an eight-point lead. And what do they do out of the timeout? This is what was drawn up. Russell Westbrook, isolation, mid-range jumper that barely grazes the <laughs> rim. And I said to myself after that, I said, the Lakers will lose this game. If that's what you're going to do out of a timeout, there's no chance they're winning this game. And lo and behold, once it went to overtime, y- you knew they had no chance. They they absolutely needed to win that game in regulation, and they couldn't do it. So uh, I I remain convinced that this is a bad team. They, ap- they need to make a trade. Uh, they have no chance to win the title as currently constructed. And yes, Russell Westbrook deserves some shreds of credit, I guess, for accepting a bench role that he probably should have been in for years now. He still ranks outside the top 100. He's still a a difficult player to roster in a lot of formats. The the free throw percentage sucks. He's barely over 40% from the field. Uh, However, you know, 15, eight and six. So in points leagues, I, I guess he's been okay.
2: I guess he has been okay. Uh, I think you're out of the Memphis Grizzlies, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I forgot it's my turn after that. Jeez. yeah. I just, <laughs> I, I, watching Russell Westbrook play basketball is soul crushing. I like. I went to bed just like upset. I don't even. I don't even care. Like, I don't live and die by by the Lakers or LeBron's career by any means. It's just like it was just upsetting to watch as a as a viewer. But anyway, the Memphis Grizzlies a very fun team to watch, uh, albeit a yes. team that is without its best player right now in John Morant. Uh, you know, everybody talks about Morant. The you know his play style, flying around. Uh, you know, hitting the floor all the time, you know, trying to jump over guys. It, ultimately, I, I feel like those are not the plays that he ends up getting injured on. He just kind of has these weird ticky-tack type of injuries. Like right now, it's a thigh injury. Uh, chances are he's not going to miss more than a game or two, by the way, so it's not serious. Um, and years past, you know, he's had the ankle and whatnot. Um, but I, I think we, we're to the point now that he's played 67, 63, 57 games, and he's already missed a handful of games this season. Like, do we is he somebody that we just kind of have to say 70 games is like the absolute best case
2: until proven otherwise? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're you brought up a really good point. Like it's not just the flying around and those sort of high acrobatic plays that result in him getting hurt. It's just that he's a he's extremely skinny too. Like mm-hmm. to be you know, to be like there are a lot of skinny players in the NBA, right? He's listed at 6'3", 174. Um,
1: yeah. He has the same body as like Young Thug, right?
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he's he's slippery, right? There are a lot of skinny guards who are slippery and they do fine. But when you're when you're play so physically, you're pretty much going to get the bad end of any physical confrontation that you engage in in, in basketball. Even if you go up to dunk on a guy, there's a pretty good chance that you crash into him and you end up feeling more pain than he does. And like, it's just. The constant, um, that constantly happening, I think will just result in a lot of like bruises for him, Um, you know, maybe like a a rib issue, just, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's just his entire style of play and and body type to an extent. But, you know, to me, I I think, and they've been missing Desmond Bain for a long time, who was playing great before he went out. Um, I've been really impressed with Jaron Jackson. Um, He has looked awesome. He's playing 26 minutes a game right now and is the 13th ranked player per game, 8-cat. Now, he's someone who he gets in a lot of foul trouble, and they seem to like him in shorter stints, so don't expect him to suddenly start playing 33 minutes a game and being the number five player in fantasy. Uh, but a lot of this seems relatively sustainable. Uh, his field goal percentage is a little higher than usual, but I think he is making more of a point to go inside Um, because uh, his free-throw attempts are stagnated. He's up on free-throw attempts, so... Um, he's looked great. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, speaking of teams that are not healthy, however, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are still without Carl Anthony Towns and will be for quite a while. yeah, um, it, it was the Anthony Edwards show, um, but he had kind of a clunk. He's had two clunkers now in the past three games. He went three for 14 against Utah and then six for 16 against the Portland Trailblazers. Um, has looked great defensively, um, over the past, this started before towns even got hurt over the past 13 games, he's averaging 2.8 steals per game with half a block. That's obviously awesome. He's 32nd in fantasy, but, um, other than that, you know, like Jagan McDaniels has been fine. We're getting a little more Kyle Anderson without towns in there. Jalen Noel, um, is having his moments, uh, because of the, the town's injury, the whole, the whole roster kind of gets, uh, slid up. But uh, this team is just, they're just really underwhelming, really underwhelming The 13 and 14 right now.
1: Surprisingly to me, at least, uh, D'Angelo Russell seems to be the guy who is benefiting most offensively from the absence of Towns. I mean, five of his seven highest scoring games of the season have come since Towns went down. Uh, over his last five games, he's got 26 points, five assists, 1.2 steals, 3.8 made threes per game. He had been relatively disappointing, uh, kind of the odd man out, you know, with, with Towns and, and Edwards in this weird power struggle and Gobert just kind of just being in the way, essentially. But uh, in some weird roundabout way, I, I think removing Towns um, and maybe you could say the same thing, like if Edwards got hurt, like just removing one of those guys from the equation, uh, even, you know, they've lost two in a row. It's not like they've just like hit the ground running without Towns, but I, I think it, it was kind of a, a natural way to solve some of the to continue using this word, some of the clunkiness offensively for Minnesota. Uh, who, if I am not mistaken, uh, they are tied for the West lead now with Memphis. Okay, they they took a big loss last night to Utah. Uh, That was pretty surprising. I actually love that spot for the Pelicans on paper. Uh, Brandon Ingram still out. They've been, for the most part, just fine without him. Um, We we got the report on Tuesday that he's going to be out at least another week. Uh, He has not played since right around Thanksgiving, so not great news there. But again, Pelicans don't really need him right now. Uh, Zion has been fantastic. Uh, I I still think, you know, real life versus fantasy, there is a bit of a disconnect there, like for as good as he is, um, he's 39th in nine cat per game value. So pretty close to where he was being drafted, maybe just behind. Uh, but you know, uh, you know what the pitfalls are with Zion, like defensive numbers haven't really been there. Obviously he doesn't shoot threes. Uh, free throws are are never going to be a plus either, but uh, in terms of scoring efficiency, rebounding, that's been fantastic. Uh, Ingram being out, and McCollum being out for a little bit has given us a, a much larger glimpse of Dyson Daniels, who we barely saw in Summer League. He got hurt immediately. He got hurt like five minutes into his first game, so we we kind of came into the regular season blind on Daniels. And you know the numbers aren't crazy—about uh, 25 minutes per game, seven points, four rebounds, three and a half assists—but definitely passes the eye test. Uh, a guy who looks like he belongs. Um, you know, this was a, a G League Ignite uh, guy out of Australia, so. Um, you know, not, not, I I think there were just a a wide range of outcomes with Dyson Daniels coming into the year. And, uh, to me, I've been impressed.
2: Daniels has looked really good. Definitely a keeper league target. You mentioned McCollum briefly. His shooting is way off all season. All season has been off. He's shooting 40, 32, 79 right now. Um, it's just been bad all year. I don't really know what to make of it. He's still ranked 81st. So you're not getting... You're not getting, like, annihilated if you drafted him um, at his ADP, but it's still not great. Uh, yeah, Zion's playing better without Ingram there. Um, Valchunas is is up and down for minutes, but this team is so deep they're going to mess with rotations. I, I'm a little interested in, like, the Trey Murphy versus Herb Jones situation. Um, Herb Jones has been hurt. Trey Murphy's been inserted into the starting lineup. The fantasy numbers support Trey Murphy as the better player, and he's a three-point shooter, so he makes more coherent sense with like their starting five because they're starting Zion and Balanchunas. But the on-off court numbers say Herb Jones is the guy. Uh, Murphy has the worst on-off on the team, worse than Devonte Graham. So I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, but if you have either one in fantasy, I think you need to just keep an eye on how the minutes shake out for those guys. It may just come down to a point where they're both playing like twenty-four minutes a game, and you can't roster either of them. Yeah, uh, I think that's a that's a pretty possible scenario. Uh, let's go to OKC, where Shea Gilders Alexander, uh, number three player in fantasy. He's been slowly dropping from that number one spot, but not really through any fault of his own. We've just seen ridiculous performances from like Kevin Durant and and Anthony Davis. Uh, he continues to play really well. Um, Josh Giddy just has not made the improvements I think people were hoping for. He continues to not be able to get the free throw line. He can't shoot threes. Um it's just it's it's not any real improvements from him this year and a lot of other guys on these ros- on this roster the rotation is just so different night to night a lot of times they just start different guys to start the second half of games and so it's really it's really hard to predict like if you have Pokashevsky um in like a 14 teamer which is fair there's just going to be some weeks where he plays 16 minutes a game and there's going to be some weeks where he plays 25 minutes a game And it's really hard to ride those up and downs. Um, Dort's been fine, but um, Jalen Williams uh, has looked pretty good too. And someone that I think everyone, it's hard to find a roster spot for him because he's not playing that well right now. Like he occasionally has his moments when someone's out that he puts up a good game. He's made like 10 starts. Those have looked fine, but he's a guy, if you can stash, and you think that the, the Thunder will commit more to the tank and start resting guys, he's a he's a great stash candidate.
1: Yep, he's in that, that Tari Easton zone, but I, I think he's yep. he's getting a lot more exposure than Tari Easton has so far. I mean, whether it's been injuries or just the fact that he's on a really shallow roster where he's already looks like one of their four best players. I mean, he's over his last 14 games, he's averaging over 29 minutes, 52.6 percent from the field uh 13 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. I mean I, I think he's one of those guys that um you know we're going to be talking about big time in February, March, April uh when when SGA and and Giddy and who knows who else uh might be playing every other game at best. The Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul officially back in the mix. However, Devin Booker uh is is currently injured. He did not play last night against the uh, Houston Rockets due to a hamstring injury. He's missed two in a row. Doesn't sound like anything that's going to be you know too long term, but you never know. Uh, DeAndre Ayton also got a little banged up last night. Did, he left the game with an ankle injury. Did not return. Uh, no word on him yet. Uh, this is a team that you know has had some slip ups of late. Uh, they probably need to stop lifting weights after games and putting it out on social (laughs) media. That is like one of the, like, I like the Suns. (laughs) and like, it it just kills me to see that because it's so lame and they, they just need to stop doing that. Uh, but they're, they're 16 and 12, you know, they've kind of ceded control of the Western conference to the, the Memphis, New Orleans, Denver tier for the time being. And as we've been saying all year with the Suns, they're a guy or two short, you know, I, I, and even if Jay Crowder was active and playing, I, I, that would help, but I don't think that really solves their issue. Um, uh, there, there's not really an obvious trade for them, but I, I feel like they need to do, they need to do something. I, I think they could talk themselves into winning the West as currently constructed, but i I, again, I feel better about the Warriors than I do the Suns. I mean, depending on what happens with the Clippers, I think they have more upside. Obviously they struggled with Dallas last year. So, um, Phoenix is going to be a, a team to watch. I think even if they could find a way to add like a Bogdanovich type, like that, that would be huge right. for them.
2: Yeah. getting Boyan would be, um, that would be huge for them. I agree. But I mean, if you're them, you're 16 and 12, and you've gotten 14 games out of Chris Paul and eight games out of Cam Johnson, I think you actually feel pretty good. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, I think you know, some of the numbers say like you know, the DeAndre Ayton situation, I it's it's been one of those things where it's been fine enough and they've been good enough to where that hasn't really been a topic of discussion. But his point differential is not good. Second worst on the team, minus eight point nine. Clearly, I just I don't think that situation is solved, and I think maybe I think they would just they would <laughs> they would prefer to have someone else around. It's just a tough trade to make. You you backed yourself into a corner here, but I I I'd be lying if I said I I didn't think they could win the title. I think there's a chance they still win the title, um, but. Uh, I don't have as much faith as I did in prior years. Let's go with the Portland Trailblazers, uh, who are only one win behind the Phoenix Suns. They're 15-12, and and that's, again, with Damian Lillard being hurt for a decent chunk of time. He's only played 15 games this season, and they have a decent record. Lillard's looked good when he's played. He's a 12-ranked fantasy player. If you draft him in the first round, other than the fact that he's been hurt, um, you're doing fine. Anthony Simons has continued his leap forward some of that, yes, of course, is fueled by Damian Lillard playing, um, it, missing some time, but I think he's going to stick as a good player. But if you have Simons, Grant, Hart in fantasy, now that Lillard's back, you are just going to see a decline in numbers. Um, your your sell high window might be over, but if, if you don't believe in Lillard's ability to stay healthy anymore, then just hang on to him. Um, other than that, you know, we've seen, we saw like Winslow is interesting if you're in like us. <laughs> If you're like a 20-teamer. Um, yeah, if you're a real but, sicko. Yeah, if you're a sicko. like I have him in, uh, in our keeper league, uh, but that's a really deep league. Um, and then Shagan Sharp has his moments, but he's just not really part of the real meaningful rotation when everyone's healthy.
1: Yeah, I love what I've seen out of Sharp. I mean, it's just more real life than fantasy with him. Probably needs a couple injuries before we start talking about him as, as anybody that you want to roster in like non-dynasty leagues. Uh, Lillard has been... Fantastic. Last three games, uh, 38 points per game, had the 11 three-pointer game against Minnesota, hit nine threes against Denver. So he's picked up where he left off. I think any any doubts that you know, maybe he would fall off after missing so much time last season, um, that that was just incorrect. He looks great. Um, th- there are nights where he and Simons can go off you know, together. Like Simons had 31 the other night. Lord had 36. So in general, Simons' upside is not nearly as high as it was where it felt like he was putting up 25 every night when Lillard was sidelined, but you know, still, he's somebody that I remain really impressed by. Um, I I just, with, with Simon's, I just want to see more than the scoring, I guess like the assists are up, but a lot of that is due to the fact that Lillard has missed half the year. The steals are up as well. If he can get over a steal per game, that would be big. Um, but you know, he's, he's shooting basically 40% from three for the third year in a row. He's become a very, very good Free throw shooter. So already Simons is is a better fantasy player than I thought he would be.
2: Yeah, and eventually they still have Gary Payton on this team. He's gonna enter the rotation at some point. Um, I don't really know what happens there. I don't know if Sharp is just like gone from the rotation. I don't know if it's fewer minutes for Hart, but that's that's also something to keep an eye on because Hart was actually uh really good for the Warriors last year. Um I'll let you take it away with the Kings.
1: All right, I got the Kings, uh, and you you have both the Spurs and the Jazz to finish. So that gives yep. us an even fifteen and fifteen uh, between both conferences. The Sacramento Kings—it's been a tale of two halves of the first quarter of the season. Uh, so I guess <laughs> two—it's been a tale of two eighths for De'Aaron Fox, who got off to a fantastic start. Uh, I've said multiple times on this pod, I, I really regretted you know finally jumping off of him this year. Kind of a, a reverse RJ Barrett situation, uh, but he has kind of come crashing back down. Over the last few weeks, last eight games, just 15.8 points per game, 3.6 assists, 0.5 steals, 37% from the field, and 75% at the line. The three-point shooting has been really, really rough during that period, about 25%. Uh, He was one of seven against Philly on Tuesday night. He was one of six in his previous game against Milwaukee. Uh, So it does feel like that's coming full circle. Kevin Herter, you know, still playing really well, giving you a lot of value, but he's gradually cooling off. He's no longer shooting like 53% from three. Uh, And Keegan Murray, he was bad last night against Philly. However, before that, his last seven games, 16 points, five rebounds, three threes. I I remain very high on Murray rest of season.
2: Yeah, Murray turning it around is is nice to see. He was dealing with personal issues, which I think affected his play. Um, You know, Malik Monk has been solid for them. Someone that's, it's hard not to roster him in a 12-team league Um, because he has some really big games, and if anybody in the backcourt ever gets hurt, you know it's going to be more minutes for him. But yeah, the Fox thing is tough. I think he's dealing with a foot injury. It's really hard to say, like, you know, how much of the how how much of his struggles before he sat out those games was due to a potential foot injury. I mean, I think we referenced this on one of the pods. I went to that the the recent Bucks um, Kings game, and I you know I ended up sitting pretty close, and he just like was not you know, you see a lot more sort of like the physicality and who's involved and all that stuff. And he was just, just like, I barely noticed him out there at mm-hmm. times. I was like, I, 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 there were times I just felt like I was noticing Davion Mitchell more than De'Aaron Fox, which is really <laughs> oh, bizarre. <no>. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and maybe that's because, uh, Davion Mitchell is just like running around getting in people's faces. Um, but, uh, it was just a really weird thing to see. Um, he, he airballed a three, I believe when I was there, but, uh, yeah, I mean this team is—it's a lot of Sabonis, like a lot of Herder. Obviously, like when you watch them play, it's like a lot of those two just doing two-man actions, a lot of Sabonis handoffs. Um, they kind of confuse me as a team, but um, yeah, I still—I still think their defense is an issue. But uh, you know, if you have Keegan Murray, I think it, you're, if you held on, you're, you're sort of getting rewarded. Let's move on to the Spurs, the worst team in the NBA other than. The Orlando Magic, I believe. I mean, they're they're in that tier of, like, Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte. They're in the uh, Wembenyama sweepstakes. We've seen uh, Hurdle's been hurt. So we saw Zach Collins and Charles Bassey step up, and now Collins has a sprained knee. So it might be a lot of Charles Bassey, of course, uh, after I drop Charles Bassey in all my leagues. Uh, so you love to see that. Um, Keldon Johnson... You look at his stats and you're like, okay, like 21 points, five rebounds, two assists. The efficiency is straight up bad. Um, 40% from the field, 73% from the uh, free throw line. And again, he's not really getting too many assists. So he's 134th in fantasy. It's just, you're kind of taking a loss if you drafted him as high as a lot of people thought. Uh, He could go, it's really been more Devin Vassell, ranked 65, who is also averaging 20 points a game. Doing so more efficiently, and I actually think he has more upside for steals than he's gotten. He's a better defensive player than his his stats show, although it's hard to uh, play both position, uh, both sides of the ball at the um, at the intensity that they need him to to be a, a competitive basketball team. Um, and Sohan has been up and down, um, but this is a sort of a tough team to evaluate because they are in such a such a tank mode, and guys have been in and out of the lineup. So I'm looking at our rankings page
1: on Rotowire, uh, which I, I noticed that we we moved recently. I, I assume you were behind that move. I was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's under the rankings tab now, which it should probably should have been all along. <laughs> um, I love looking at this page. If if you're a Rotowire, I don't even think you need to be a subscriber actually to check this out. I mean, you should be, of course. Um, but it's a fun page. You know, whenever we reference these rankings, this is where we're pulling them from. Um, and, and you get kind of, I guess, like heat maps, for lack of a better term, you know, z scores that tell you. Uh, you know, how, how positive or negative a player is in each category. And I, I'm just sorting by the Spurs roster right now and the he looks okay. yakapurtle looks okay. Everyone else. There's just a sea of red here. It is yeah. like 90% red and a, f- a few little green spots here and there, like yakapurtle's field goal percentage, for example, that that's nice. uh Purtle started playing two on two today. Still no real update on when he's going to be back. I, uh, he's a player that I, I have in stake league. I have him in, in one other league. I'm trying to offload him. I'm kind of waiting for a little bit more positive news. Wait until we get a target date. Maybe he plays a game or two, but I, I I'm concerned that if he doesn't get traded, he's going to get shut down at some point. And even if he does get traded, can we count on him playing 30 minutes every night? I I, I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe he ends up in a, a similar or better situation, but to me, that's unlikely.
2: Yeah. You floated a trade uh, involving him out to me in stake league which was going to be like a sure hey, my problem for your problem situation. It would have been potentially, but this is the type of trade offer. If you have Pirtle and you want to get rid of them, you offered me Pirtle. And one of the, one of the names as an option was Bojan Bogdanovic. It's like, these are both guys who could just, these are older guys on tanking teams. You could get moved at the deadline. Yep. But of course, like you mentioned, I said, I need to see Yaka Pirtle play basketball again uh, before we even talk about a deal. So you're going to have a tough time doing that. Um, Utah jazz, most surprising team in the NBA. Although, of course, they've slowed down a little bit. Some of that, it it pretty much coincided exactly with uh, Mike Conley getting hurt. Um, And uh, then consequently, of course, uh, Colin Sexton playing more. uh, And they started losing games. Um, You know, for this team, uh, marketing continues to be awesome. Olenek continues to be awesome. I still worry about Olenek to an extent from a trade deadline perspective because I think they would like to get Walker Kessler more minutes. Uh, because his, his shot blocking upside is crazy, and of course he fits the timeline of the team better. Um, Conley, I don't. I mean, I I don't know if to me if you have Conley, if he's a sell or a hold. He's ranked one tenth right now in twenty nine minutes a game. Sort of depends on if you think like, is he going to get traded? If he gets traded, how many minutes is he going to see? Because I still think he could get traded to a contender and play like twenty three minutes and put up ten and six. Is that great? No. But what are you really getting if you're trying to trade him anyway? You know? Um, So something to keep an eye on there. And Sexton, of course, he's just not playing that well, but it's hard to drop him because, again, you think about the Conley situation. You're like, well, if Conley gets moved, I'm just going to play Sexton 30 minutes a game. And then if he plays 30 minutes a game, he has to be rostered in fantasy. You sort of start going through these scenarios.
1: Yeah, I mean, Sexton, before the injury, he's missed... Uh, three games in a row he's set to be evaluated either today or tomorrow so we should have a, an update as far as when he might be back from that hamstring injury but uh, once he entered the starting lineup in uh, kind of mid to late November he started to play better I mean the, the counting stats came back like defensively was giving you absolutely nothing that's kind of a killer but you know you're shooting 54 percent from the field getting to the line a decent amount hitting a lot of uh, a lot of free throws 35 percent from three um, so he did start to move in the right direction I if I had the option to acquire Colin Sexton, I would do it, I I think there's a pretty good chance that he ends up just putting up big time numbers on a terrible jazz team from late January until mid April.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think so. It's just, he's his current fancy value is so low. You're sort of trading. It's a, it's a trade that's more like theoretical than anything. So I don't know who exactly you deal. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you should blow that trade out. <laughs> uh, I mean, that'd be, that, yeah, well, that would be crazy like,
1: now that Kawhi has looked relatively good. I'm starting to start to get greedy with some of these trade offers. I'm like, well, can oh, I? Yeah. I think I sent out like a, <laughs> like a Kawhi and Yaka Pertl for Paul George trade. I'm like, I don't know. Make him say no. say no Make, oh, them, wow. say no.
2: make, make them say no. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. You never know. You might catch somebody asleep with the wheel. Who knows? Uh All right, man. Uh, we, we did this in relatively decent time. Uh, I'll say that, you know, between the two pods, we basically did like 70 minutes on uh on 30 teams so not terrible uh you know i, I don't think it's ever going to be reasonable to actually talk about each team for exactly one minute and feel like we offered any real analysis uh but i, I think this is fun I, I, I like this format uh let us know if, if you like it let us know if you didn't like it uh, but we want to do as many of these pods where we try to hit every team you know kind of give you an update give you some actionable fantasy advice because over the course of 82 games it could be hard uh to be locked in every single night so let us know on Twitter. You know, let us know. Uh, you can always even email support at roadwire.com. You can let us know in the reviews on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. But we appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Alex, you'll be back on Friday with Ken and Shannon.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.